When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into another edition of the Cyclone Fanatic Podcast. It's football and random things. We're going to talk spring football. Of course, our spring football coverage here at Cyclone Fanatic is brought to you by our friends at A-Plus Lawn and Landscapes. Hello, Jeff Woody. Hello, Jared. It's been about uh, six years since we last talked. Six, seven, seven years. Maybe uh, if, you, if dog years were equal to 49 years instead of seven, then yes, it might have been seven years. It's seven, it's seven alter, uh, alter dimension dog years since I last talked to you. That's a, that's a good multi, uh, multi-universe pull. Real theoretical physics here. That's what we're going to get. That's what you get in football and random things. Theoretical physics. This is the first of three special episodes of, uh, of football and random things. You and me are going to do two of them talking about the Iowa state offense, which we'll do here in just a few minutes. And then, We'll do another one talking about uh, Iowa State's defense, and then I'm going to have one that's a little bit more overarching with Jay Jordan. Uh, I talked to Jay Jordan on the phone for an hour and a half last night. How many words did you say? Considerably fewer than my counterpart did. (laughs) (laughs) Which is good, because Jay's doing really good, and he was telling me about a bunch of stuff that he's got going on. It's awesome, because I can tell he's in a good spot. So uh, I was excited for him. I was very happy to listen. Um, but I'm looking forward to recording that podcast tonight. Cause it could be like three hours long. If any, he, if last night's conversation was any indication. He and I have a similar disposition in that, uh, give a conversational crack and we're going to walk and, and push that crack open and blow the wall down and just hold court for a while. I, I do try to, to catch myself when I am doing that. Uh, but if I start a story, it's almost physically painful to not finish the story. So that's, that's the, that's a thing I'm working on within myself. So I, as much as I love Jay, I'm, I'm looking in the mirror as much when I say that. It's really funny. So, you know, we did the podcast with Scott Christopherson, uh, and that was Scott's first exposure to you. Uh, and it instantly right away, he, he wanted to go on tour and take Cyclone Fanatic on tour, uh, and hit all kinds of places. He said, we got to take Jeff. <laughs> yes, I'm in. If you guys go anywhere, if me, if you, me, and Scott, because I feel like three sharp guys, very different. Like Scott is is uh, he's the straight man in any mo- you know any comedy duo. Like it'll you generally hold that role for me, and I'm just like the wild, just off the wall. But with the the dynamic between one true straight man and then you and I being able to do whatever the hell we want to do. Right. That could be, that's an interesting uh, dynamic. I would appreciate that. Uh, There, there have been discussions about the possibilities. So the cycle fanatic very may well be coming to a a location near you. Um, But all right, let's talk about Iowa state's offense spring football. It's been a weird spring football because uh, they've changed a lot of the way they cover, you know, they give us access and things like that. They had the open practices, but um we don't get to talk to the position coaches, which kind of stinks. You just get to talk to the uh, coordinators on Zoom. So it seems like it, you kind of could have some things fall through the cracks. But uh, I think there's still plenty of stuff to talk about with this, especially with this offense for Iowa State. So many holes to fill. 
the first big story that came out, Aiden Bowman going into the transfer portal last week, not overly shocking when you consider a couple points. And I think that that, I think that story said two different things to me, and I'm interested to know your opinion. First things first, I think it shows that Hunter Deckers has taken the job by the reins and, and by the horns and has really solidified his spot as the starting quarterback. Um, and or slash and or I think that it has it is an indication that Rocco Beck has come in as a true freshman and has really done something to make it seem like there isn't going to be a ton of competition for spots in that room in the next several years where it's going to be Hunter's the guy Rocco's guy number two and then someone was going to have to be the odd man out do you do you think I'm reading too much into that or do you think that's a fair conclusion to come to yeah I think it's a, it's dead on. It's the same thought that I had because actually when you, cause when you broke that, or I don't know if you actually broke it, but when the story that you put out on Cyclone Fanatic, I read that. And I think I texted you. I was like, man, Aiden Bowman made it a lot longer than I thought he would. Yeah. Um, because last year when any, I was thinking there was five games in which Hunter Deckers appeared and zero games in which Aiden Bowman appeared. And even one of those games that Hunter Deckers was in was the Kansas game when I think, I mean, it was like 49 to seven at half. And so I think Brock had maybe one or two drives in the second half. Brock Purdy only had like one or two drives in the second half. And then basically the back quarter and a half was just Deckers. And they didn't give anybody else any run, which, which says, yeah, that instance as of last season said that they really like the Deckers kid and they want to get him a lot of run as much as they possibly could. And weren't, and whether or not it was fair, because I, I mean, no, neither one of us are in there, but you could assume based on the track record picking personnel that they feel like Deckers is either has a way higher ceiling or is more consistent or both. And so when Bowman didn't get any look last year, it's sort of like, okay, well, I mean, maybe he's going to give himself the spring to see if he can, you know, have a conversation with the position coaches and the coordinators and say, Hey, what do I need to do to get a shot and whatever X, Y, Z, and then come into spring halfway through spring practice, he transfers. It's just doubling down on what was occurring last fall in that they really like Deckers and he is not going anywhere. And then, like you said, with Rocco Beck, it's the other side of it being like, okay, well, we're technically in the same class. I could take a COVID year. I could take, you know, I could give myself two years, you know, or redshirt or I don't know. And then I could, you know, work my way in, or if he gets hurt, I got my chance. But then Beck comes in and, and, on the depth chart, I think Aiden Bowman was like fourth and cause there's a kid from Regina. And so you have, he, he's fallen down the depth chart, perhaps due to his own doing. I don't, I, I honestly don't know. I've never even seen the kid play. So maybe he just got the short end of the stick and just like situationally, you know, Deckers has this huge arm. And so you do these, you know, the freshman scrimmages or practice or whatever, and he just chucks at 70 yards. And then you just give him more reps and more reps and more reps. Then all of a sudden, he becomes a number two guy and just kind of just by happenstance, you work your way out of a position. So it's probably the right move for him to transfer because of specifically Hunter Deckers, but then yeah, Rocco being a, a red shirt. And I think one of the, the other interesting things about the quarterback room is that kid from Regina. And what, what is his name? Ashton cook. I think the one that would probably be more likely in that scenario would be uh, to, to have thrown a wrinkle into that would maybe be uh, Nate, Nate glance. Uh, the transfer from Iowa Western. Oh, sure. Yeah. Glance. That's what I was thinking. I'm not getting yeah. Regina, but anyway, I, I would also imagine they're getting him ready enough that they could redshirt Rocco. And so that there, if, if there is any mop-up minutes that if it's, if you're playing, 
you know, let's say Kansas is terrible again this year and you beat the hell out of, you, you know, you're up by 35 on against Kansas. You don't want to burn Rocco's red shirt for scrub minutes. So you want to have another guy who can do mop up stuff in certain situations or, you know, whatever. So you want to have another guy that's not necessarily a red shirt threat that you would be able to then keep Rocco because then you put another year between him and Hunter and that would then allow, I think Rocco would, if that, if he gets to redshirt, I would imagine that gets him three years of potentially when Hunter is done to be able to be the starter versus two. So that would be sort of kind of future planning of having somebody else that can occupy that role. Uh, so I think it is a good move for Aiden or for Aiden Bowman to leave because of the, the rest of the guys in the room. But yeah, I think it says a lot about Deckers primarily and then Rocco secondarily in that even down the road, his opportunities currently indicate that his future is not as bright as, you know, something else, which from this is one little mini, like a side road. And I think a lot of there's a, with the transfer portal and whatever, a lot of, I like, an uh, it's not, it's not wrong at all. It's not wrong, but like an sort of an, an old school take on, why the transfer portal is bad is because you're not teaching guys to stand up through adversity. At the same time, you look at Aiden Bowman and you go, Hey man, he could stick it out. And you know, he could become Kyle Kempt. He could be that guy. He could stay here and he's there for four and a half years, finally gets his chance and makes the most of it. And he can be that guy. Or let's look at the other situation. Let's say he transfers and goes to, I, I don't know where he's going to end up going and he might've already determined, but let's say he goes like, uh, Vanderbilt or something like that. And he gets to start for three years at Vanderbilt. Why would that be a worse situation than what he's got right now? It's sort of like if you're in a bad relationship that, you know, ultimately you're going to drift apart, but you, you stick it out because that's what you're supposed to do. It's like, it's not necessarily the best move to just put your head down and go through it. So like there are certain situations like, and I think Bowman is in a good spot or is it is one of those situations. And another one, like for basketball is like Trey Jackson, like Trey Jackson should transfer. He absolutely should. It's not about, I need to, you know, stick it through and become a, a, get six minutes a game in conference play when I can go be the starting point guard somewhere else, because I have a very short window of being able to do this. Those are situations where it makes sense for him to transfer. So, yeah, I think this is a sort of a best for all parties situation because that also uh, opens a scholarship up. And I know that they like rewarding guys, that are walk-ons with scholarships. So it opens a scholarship up to reward a guy as a walk-on because I think he's beyond his first two years because I think the, the, if the, maybe the scholarship rules are different now, but when I was there, your first two years are initial scholarships. So if you got 25 a year or something like that, excuse me, something like that in your first couple years. And so if someone quits right away, you can give it to another person in a, an initial recruiting class. So like, him, him leaving to go to a place where he is going to be going to have more of a chance to work his way into a valued role and opening up a scholarship to give to somebody else who has done that. And who has put their nose to the grindstone, like that kind of person, I think it's kind of the best all around, but yeah, to bring it all the way back, it says a lot about Deckers being the guy and he has fulfilled and probably exceeded a lot of the expectations that were placed on him coming into the spring. Yeah. And I thought, uh, I mean, I, th I continue to think that how the offense is going to evolve with Deckers as a starting quarterback, I think is the biggest story for them right now, because that, you know, I think this gives Iowa state an opportunity to, I don't know if like, 
zig or zag or is like the right way to put it. I feel like they've kind of done that the last several years with the way that they've built their team, but just it opens the door to do some different kinds of things than what they've done the last several years, you know, and Mm -hmm. uh, how that's going to look with the personnel that you have. I just, I don't think that we really have a very accurate idea of what the offense will even be, you know, with Hunter Deckers until they step out there to play. And nor do they, I don't think the, the coaching staff, I think this is one of the things that I like about the coaching staff the most is that they're a, let's find our best 11 staff. They it's, you know, the players formations plays, it's the way that they kind of perceive the importance of what they're doing. And so you get players formations plays. What that means is the first priority of our entire scheme is how can we get the best 11 human beings on the field? Maybe we have three tight ends that are really, really good. Well, shoot, we got to find a way to get three tight ends in the field. That's not been done before. Doesn't matter. Let's find a way to get them on the field. Well, who are those best 11? I don't know. Like it might be, and we talked about this in past kind of editions of the off season. It might be that you have four receipt, a lot of four receiver sets. It might be that you play 11 personnel, but your one quote tight end is Jared Russ. And he's playing as like a wing, but then you're three receivers outside of there. Maybe Deion Silas, when he gets healthy is like an unstoppable force when you get the ball in his hand. So you end up with a lot of two back with him and Jirel. We don't know, but they're going to just find a way to get the best 11 on the field. And then formations is the next thing in that is once we know who our 11 are, how can we put them in the most advantageous positions that we can? So if we go trips to one side and, or Jen, if we go, if, if trips generally three receivers to one side, one receiver to the other side, let's say trips is a formation and we find out the defenses have to unload the box. They have to only play f- one linebacker in the box. They play a kind of a guy spaced out and the safeties are deep because Deckers can throw it down the field. Well, that's a really good position for our running back to run out of. So we're going to major in trips and stuff like that. We're going to be very comfortable. It's sort of like what they had with that uh, Chase Allen being his downhand and Charlie being an off tight end to that side. They ran that a lot because that formation gave the opportunity to get good angles, to get good matchups, to get good, whatever, to easy. And with these best 11 on the field and the best group that we can find then what do we call? We say, okay, let's actually try and get Sean Shaw one-on-one against a small corner and let's throw it up to him because now based on us getting us out there, that's there. I don't think they even know their best 11 yet. So they can't know the formations that are going to work with those best 11, nor that they know the plays that are going to be there. So I think this spring has been just one giant exercise and trying to winnow that group of 25 guys that might be your best 11 down to like 17, 18, and then find inside of there, you're going to keep working through the summer. And even, even at a fall camp, who are the best 11, who are our favorite 11 that we're going to get on the field? Well, and even then, you know, you're, 16 to 18 is like the guys that you can rotate in there and put them in there to play. Right. You know, and they're the ones that you can just, that give you your wrinkles, you know, where it's like, we're not going to do the same things over and over again, but we've got this crew like in the depth. I mean, that's the thing I think has given them, has helped them a lot in the past several years is you've got depth at some of those skill positions where you can throw people out there and feel comfortable that they can go and do the job, you know? And I think that receiver room, this was actually something Jay and I talked about on the phone last night. There's a bunch of guys I think you can throw out that at those receiver positions that can go out there and do the job for you. You know, like obviously X is the main one. Like X is not going to leave the field very often. 
Yeah, uh, he's gonna that, he's gonna, even at wide receiver. I bet he's gonna take seventy five to eighty percent of all the snaps. Yeah, but then you've got Sean Shaw, who has not been healthy for a spring until this year. You know, so for him to be healthy is obviously huge. But then you know, Darren Wilson's gonna be a senior coming back. Uh, Daniel Jackson is finally gonna be healthy. You're gonna have Jalen Knoll for a second year. Like, there's a bunch of guys. You got Greg, Greg, Greg Gaines. Greg, that's yeah. they're really high on. Yeah, Greg Gaines is stepping in as a true freshman. So it's like there's a bunch of guys right there at those receiver positions that I think you can rotate in, and as long as they can stay healthy you have to feel really good about that. And I think that's been, I mean, the health thing has been a concern for several years for some of those guys. Obviously they had Daniel Jackson. He got hurt in 2020. You have, you've had Sean Shaw. He kept getting hurt and kept keeping him off the field for long stretches of time. And that room was kind of crowded. It seemed like even before, but they just couldn't stay healthy enough. It's like, if these guys can stay healthy, we can finally see the, you know, see that shine through on the field rather than just be like a conversation of like, well, if these guys were healthy, they'd, all would help us a lot, you know. Well, I I think another thing too, again, talking about your players' formations, plays players. One of the players that we know for sure. I mean, there's a, there's a few guys in that eleven that you can one hundred percent be certain. One of them is Trevor Downing. He's going to be on the field regardless, point blank period. It doesn't matter who else is out there. You can probably say that a guy like Tyler Miller, to the point to how high they've been on Tyler Miller, he's probably going to be your left tackle. I would, you know, maybe a guy like Daryl Simmons find a spot for him. And then you got like a, a few other guys that are going to potentially rotate. I think Remsburg might be close to that. I whoever, but you got like Trevor Downing, Tyler Miller is for sure out there. X is one of those guys that's for sure out there. Uh, and then Deckers is out there. Hunter yeah. Deckers is the other one that's like you know for sure that's going to be out there. So when you're thinking about how your offense can run, you have a center that knows what he's doing, and you have quarterback that's got a cannon. And so the receivers, when we're talking about the receiver position group, what's going to be different than last year is that the thing that Brock does really well. Um, I'm trying to find like, a, I'm trying to think of a, a quarterback in the NFL that is sort of correlated to that. But I, I guess, again, don't use this necessarily as the, a true one-to-one analogy, but like Tom Brady is really good because he is going to demand that you are here at this moment. And I will put it between your first and second finger on your right hand. And you're going to, at that point, this offense is going to run efficiently. Deckers put, has a game that's much more like a Josh Allen. where like you, he can do that. And he's going to be able to rip the ball where he needs to rip it. But there's going to be other times where it's like, shit, man, I just had, I can't find anything. I didn't read it right or whatever. So I'm going to bail back and double around, do three, three sixties. And all of a sudden, if you are just a competitive worker as a wide receiver, like, I think this might be great for Sean Shaw because he is seven foot eight. So like if he's able to get in these scramble situations and get, just get a, a rapport where all right, Deckers is going to his left because he's a lefty. He wants to run that way. I'm going to just run down the field. We're going to abide by our scramble drills. We have rules. We know what's going to happen. But I just got to go be competitive for the ball because once it goes up in the air, if I can prove that I can come down with it, do you know how stressful that is on a defense when your play is almost more dangerous when it breaks down than when it is on rhythm? Like that's when you talk about like that Caleb, that's Caleb Williams. It's when the play falls apart and you can do more then that becomes dangerous. I think that's a, you know, again, thinking of NFL comparisons, that's why like guys like Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, uh, Joe Burrow, like that's why those guys are so good and are at such a high level is that they're dangerous in the pocket and you have to have one game plan to keep, to keep them in the pocket. And once they're in the pocket, but then once it goes out of the pocket, like that's another completely different can of worms that you have to account for. And so I think this offense is going to have a little bit of that because I, th- I don't think Decker's 
is, is exclusively going to operate in the pocket in the same way that an Aaron Rodgers doesn't exclusively operate in the pocket. He is going to be really good at, you know, moving around, getting off the spot and just balling, you know, just chuck it to somebody. That's the stuff that Deckers is going to do. And I think they're going to have to find a way that uh, to, to bring it to a different basketball thing in Iowa state's recruiting portal. And you might have a better version of this. They're building the roster around what Tyrese Hunter can and wants to do. What is he good at? And what does the rest of our roster do? Now let's find pieces that match that. It's not about, you know, they're talking about the best 11. It's the best 11 that work the best together. And so, okay, we got Tyrese Hunter and now we got, Hey, the, you know, the number one point guard in America is ready to come. Okay. Let's sign him. You know, like a guy like Tame and lips, he's another point guard. Okay. Well let's now the next number one point guards in America is let's bring him in. Okay. That's the best player. When I got three point guards, that's not, well, let's get another point guard. Like it's one of those things that like you might have the best 11, but they don't really mesh together. Mm-hmm. So through this spring, because you know, Deckers is there, you know, Downing is there your offense is probably going to end up taking the shape of what works best with him to be able to actually execute the offense. Right. Well, I thought that that was something, I think you think back to early in Brock's career, what allowed him and Hakeem to have some of the success they did. Hakeem was really good at that, at just finding a place and just get open, you know, Mm -hmm. like just go somewhere and just do something. Yeah. You talk about being competitive for the ball. Hakeem Butler and Al Lazard are the two best in recent memory. And Deshante Jones was really good at that too. He just was littler, but you talk about Hakeem Butler. I mean, he was as good at competitive contested catches as anybody you've probably seen in college next, you know, again, like guys like Lazard and Des Bryant are the ones that come to mind because we're like ball goes up. He's going to get it. And if you allow, if you have guys like that, I think X might be able to, you know, he, he's going to have to work himself into that too. It's not, it's a different game than what he's played the last, you know, last year because Brock isn't, he liked to make off schedule plays, but his off schedule plays weren't off schedule and put it down the field 45 yards. That's Decker's going to be able to go off schedule and put it down the field 45 yards. Right. I mean, I think that's why Charlie was so good at that was because Charlie could find those openings too, but he was never going that far down the field. Right. Right. And, and Brock just knew all right, where's 88 going to be? And if he's missed to this side, and that's where his best, you know, his, his best accuracy and his best efficiency was is jab, 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 jab. And then eventually Brees or X or somebody is going to throw the haymaker where this might be a little more Mike Tyson fighting where I'm a, I'm a commit your noggin with every single thing that I've got every single time. And I'm not going to miss much. I'm going to connect to your brain five times in a row like that might be more of what this offense is going to be is more aggressive chunk plays still possessing the ball still being smart but because they've got the capacity to go down the field i mean that i again i think that's probably what this thing is going to be which is again like to bring it back to you guys that we talked about before why is tyler miller getting talked about so highly one because he's good two because left tackle athletic position okay he's a need and he's standing out. So you have a guy who can protect for your quarterback, who then can throw down the field to find your wide receivers to do the thing that you're going to do. So this offense is sort of, again, read the tea, read through a little bit through the tea leaves. 
this offense probably is going to be more explosive, more down the field, more chunk plays they're trying to shoot for and less reliant upon tight physical formations. They're still okay. Physical is a bad word to use around tight formations. They're still going to be physical regardless of what they do, but that's going to be a little bit more of the color of the offense is I think again, that, that much more aggressive, much more down the field. Yeah. My only concern is we, you know, I think we saw during this whole draft process, like Brock can throw the ball down the field. And that makes me wonder is the, has it been the receivers? Can they not get open down the field? Do you not feel comfortable that those guys can get open down the field? Because obviously that inhibits you as well. Like, yeah, having the quarterback who can throw the ball a mile is cool, but if nobody can get open, that doesn't help very much either. You know? So it's like, guys got to be able to make contested catches. I mean, think how many times it seemed like the only guy they'd try and stretch the field with was Joe skates for the last basically year and a half mm. and the ability to make cont- contested catches consistently was not there, you know, and that really mm. hurt them. I think can those guys grow in that area to where you can feel comfortable stretching the field because you know, your receivers are going to be able to go and get the ball. You, you can hope so. And I also think that like could do and was good at our different phrases with how Brock and he was down the fields. So like, could he do it? Yes. But like the one, the, the couple that come to mind are against Iowa where he's backed up on his own 10 or 12 or something like that mm-hmm. and waited two extra hitches before he got rid of the ball, turned into an interception play goes back the other way. So he could throw the ball down the field, but it wasn't necessarily a thing that either they practiced enough or maybe it's the wide receivers. I don't know. Uh, But it seemed like he was a little bit off rhythm and not super comfortable with it. So again, whether that's the coaching of him, because physically you saw pro day and, and stuff that he could throw the ball, but you also look at a guy like Malik Willis and that dude throws a better deep ball than Brock does. So it's not that you, so he's probably more comfortable with it because it comes more naturally to him which Deckers falls more in that Malik Willis camp of much more comfortable chucking the ball down the field. So it's something that when, if they don't practice it enough, like maybe structurally they don't get the ball down the field or didn't practice getting the ball down the field as much. That's something that like, you know, Christofferson can, I bet if you gave him all right now, even though he probably hasn't been practicing near as much as he did when he was in college, I bet right now, if you gave him uncontested threes from the top of the key, he's making what six out of 10, seven out of 10 at least. And, yeah. And so, because it's a thing that he's naturally comfortable with doing. So even if it's slightly less practiced, he can do it more where I think it didn't come super naturally, although he could do it. So he would have had to work on it more than he did. And then you can, if you were to do that, then you could get away with slightly less than super proficient when you don't have a keen Butler out there going to get the ball. But a guy like, again, a guy like Deckers, that that comes much more naturally to him. So that style of play, even if you don't have a, you know, with Jamison Williams, like even if you don't have a guy like that, that's going to be able to go down the ball, go down the field, get the ball. You have a quarterback that can put it in spaces where it doesn't matter because uh, this is a thing that Herman said and probably still does is timing and ball placement beats any coverage. If I get it out on time, get it in the air for the right amount of time and put it in a place where only my guy can get it. Doesn't matter what the coverage is. And so it has to be perfect in that way. And again, that's a thing that I think Deckers becomes a lot better at, which I'm excited to see because that's not something they've been able to do because the last guy, if you think of the last guy that had the down the field, pure, just stand and chuck it down the field ability was Jacob park. 
Well, he was about as reliable as like a 1986, you know, Chrysler town car. Like that thing was not going to be moving at consistently. You wanted to, although the high line, like the high end of it was good. It was just very rarely up there. So we haven't seen coach Campbell have the ability to have a quarterback with an intuitive down the field sense. And whether it's Manning or whoever else is doing the play calling, we've not had them have the capacity to do that because we haven't seen it. So I'm excited just to see like, what can you do with a new toy? Yeah, for sure. The tight ends situation, I think, is the other one that will be interesting to work through because obviously they've been such an integral piece of the offense. And that's been what has given, you know, obviously having Brees is awesome, but like those tight ends and the way that they could create leverage with those three guys was a lot of how they made, they created their mismatches, you know, over the last year or over the last two years. You're not going to have that. And, you know, we've heard a lot of good things about Easton Dean it didn't show through. I thought last year in the times when he was on the field Deshaun Hanika just has not played that much, you know, and then Tyler Moore is a redshirt freshman has never played it in a college game to this point that I can think of. So that's where it's like, you can't lean on that in my mind anymore because you just, you don't have that same, tr- I mean, you don't have that same crew that you had before where all, and all those guys were veterans by the time, they were playing these last several years. I'm just interested to see when like they don't have those things that they can kind of lean on as a crutch to fall back on all the time. Like you got to be a little bit more innovative, you know, Mm got to be a little different. Like in, you've got to be different from yourself when you were already different before. Does that make sense? Yeah. Well, and I think they, this might, you know, it might bring them back more to quote normal, but who knows, you know, because maybe Easton Dean is the next Charlie Kolar. Like they're, they, they're built similarly They're They seem to be similarly intelligent. I mean, no one's as smart as Charlie, but they, you know, that they might play the same way. Um, but you also, it's not Charlie. Like we saw from, from the first time Charlie was on the field, you were like, okay, this kid you're cutting out but you just cut out their, like that entire point point you cut out that entire point just so you know okay i think it's the wind that's making the internet choppy are we just gonna yeah, cut it in the middle yeah just go like from you said i can't remember exactly what you said you were talking about basically i'll, I'll re-answer the question yeah yeah go ahead yeah it's interesting because the the tight ends when, when Charlie stepped in the field for the first time, when he was younger, you knew for sure that he was like, his, his floor was really high. He wasn't going to screw up much. And the more he improved, the higher his ceiling got, but his floor was, you saw what it was where Easton Dean screwed up a fair amount because he was coming over from quarterback. Like he had not played. He doesn't understand when you're a quarterback, you don't, you don't understand how hard it is to physically move another human being out of the way who doesn't want to be moved out of the way. So it takes a little bit of getting used to in live game situations. He's probably better at that now than he was then, but we don't know. Uh, The one guy that they still have that is a holdover from what they've had before is Jared Russ. So when you need that physical, I'm going to punk a dude, that's probably going to be Russ. That's probably, I mean, maybe Deshaun Hanika is going to be that guy but we've not seen him play. So we don't know. And I don't think Easton Dean is going to be that that guy just yet because he's not, you know, he's not Jared Russ. So when you need that kind of physical bashing, are you you probably are going to go with 43. You're not necessarily going to try and go with anybody else. So the offense might be a, yeah, like an 11 personnel, maybe even 12 personnel, but your fullback is playing 
a down tight end or something like that. Like just because again, that players formations plays, they're going to find a way to get their best players on the field. And so the tight ends group is not only competing with the expectations that they had from Charlie and chase and, you know, the remnants of still insaner, they're competing with the wide receivers to get on the field and the running backs to get on the field. Like if their performance is okay for a tight end, but let's say that, uh, X and one other person are just killing it. They're not going to get in the field then because they're going to try and get all those wide receivers in the field as much as they can, because that's the best offense. So they're kind of competing with everybody on the offense, every skill position to get reps, not just to try and compete with what the legacy of what the tight ends have been. So yeah, it's an interesting group that's just super inexperienced. It, it might work in over the season where they, in the first quarter of, you know, the first four games of the season, they might have 20% of their formations are in two or two or more tight ends. Maybe the second quarter of the season, the second four games they play or second three games, sorry. Uh, they're going to play 50% tight ends or 30% tight ends, whatever it is. And they just gradually work that to become more comfortable. Once those guys get more experience group is interesting because they got a, they got a big, they got a big boulder to push up a big hill to live up to what the tight ends did before, but also compete against what the rest of the offense is doing. All right. Let's talk about the offensive line real quick. Uh, you, you mentioned Trevor Downing, obviously moving to center. Tyler Miller kind of slides in as the guy everybody expects to play at, at left tackle. And then Daryl Simmons is the other returner who's played a lot of football for Iowa state. What, what do you want to see from that group? Like, what do you hope to see from that group? I guess moving into this, into the fall and into the or into the summer, into the fall towards the next season. I, I just I think that that group will be will remain a wild card for Iowa State until proven otherwise. You know? Well, I think what's what's interesting is that Hunter Deckers is a lefty, so his yeah. blind side is his his right side. So your right tackle becomes the equivalent of a left tackle in most other offenses, but most defenses have their best pass rusher. I mean, I got like Will McDonald can flip sides yeah. and you know, Aiden Hutchinson's not going to play one, only one side. So like you have certain guys that are going to go from both sides, but generally speaking, your defense is going to be set up to be, have your best rusher going to the quarterback's blind side. Um, so with him being a lefty, a thing that I want to see, there's a few things that I want to see. One is that your right tackle, which I think is probably going to be Jake Remsburg by the time the dust settles, um, that your, your right tackle can play like a left tackle, that he can be athletic enough to go against you, the, the opponent's best pass rusher and hold his own. Um, but I think the other thing is that I want to see more athleticism generally across the board, because the thing that they had done in the past and why they could get up not sorry, could get away with when they could play three tight ends, Brees hall and five offensive linemen, you could be a tough mofo and just technically good enough, but I'm going to push you out of the way because I'm going to punch you in the mouth. But then you'd also run into a little bit of trouble when you had to get to an open, like a spread open situation, have your tackles pass set, have your, uh, your guards, you know, they're going to be in pass protection. So they got to pedal a little bit. Your center's got to call everything out and he's got to be able to adjust when there's a twist. And I got to hand, pass that off to a guard. And then I got to come over to another guy who's blitzing in. When you have to deal with all that past stuff, that's more general athleticism than it is just pure power. So the thing that I, I think that's where the offense hasn't been great at 
their offensive line hasn't been awesome at being super athletic relative to how good they've been being tough and downhill. So like, I want to see them retain that good, the, the strength that they've had in straight up tough and downhill. Cause you think about the Oklahoma game last year, Brock basically got his head knocked off five different times. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that wasn't necessarily because, and I guess athletic might, might be a bit of a slight where it's a little bit more, I didn't mean that as necessary as insulting, but like, if there's a twist, if there's a blitz, if there's something that needs to get passed off, I am, I should know where it's coming from. I should have communicated where it's coming from, but if I don't, and I didn't pick it up right, I need to be able to move in a way that doesn't allow that mental, not picking it up the right way to completely screw my quarterback over. Because if I'm, if that's not fixed and you played again, Oklahoma is the best defensive front that Iowa state played last year. So it's not necessarily the same. You're not going to run into them every single game, but if they aren't able to fix that and they are wanting to play a wide open down the field front, that's a natural vulnerability. You know, that's Superman flying to a kryptonite farm. Like there's no real way that it's going to be able to, you can't run that offense if you're not able to do that. So the down the field, you know, the, the coach Myers and coach Campbell, like they're going to get these guys to be super physical and they are pretty smart guys. It's just a matter of, can you then hold up in pass protection when, and identify it the right way. And that's one big part of it. But then can you react in a way that if you didn't pick it up correctly, you can still hold your own to give Deckers a chance to get the ball out or to scramble or whatever. So he's not just taking these helmets to the chin, like that kind of, that's the thing that I want to see from the offensive line. And I think that it's a, it's all five that have to be better at that, but I think it starts at the tackles and it starts at, at the tackles in the center are the ones that I think have to do that. Cause tackles last year, uh, I heard it described. Somebody said it is that Iowa state had five really good guards at five different positions. So they just didn't have true offensive, you know, they had no Kalecio assembly offensive tackles. Um, but I think the other thing is that Colin Newell, as smart as he was, he wasn't, he, he very rarely was able to like straight up hold his ground. If there was a, if there was a rush that was coming and he was man to man on that rush, a lot of times he got pushed around. So can Downing do a better job at setting in the middle of the pocket, setting his ground and not getting pushed backwards. And are the tackles athletic enough to move around And then can the guards handle the communication in between? Like, that's the thing that I want to be able to to see, because I know they're going to be good. They're going to be physical They're Once they get their hands on you, they're going to, you know, push you in the dirt because that's just the personality of these guys. But can they be athletic and cohesive enough to handle the funky stuff that you're going to see, especially if you want to play this wide open offense? For sure. All right. Any more thoughts on the offense that you want to throw out there? Only thing is running backs. Uh, It's been pretty quiet which is interesting because I mean, Deion Silas is hurt. So he obviously, you know, he's not going to factor into the spring ball equation, um, which either says that Jairo Brock is the guy and it's kind of a moot point that Jairo Brock is the guy, or he hasn't established himself quite yet. Or the other guys, a guy like Eli Sanders or something like that has been playing really well and they're not sure who it's going to be. And because there's not been as much availability, you might not have been able to have the conversation with the running backs. I would imagine it's more the former where Brock is kind of, he has taken the reins as the guy that it's just sort of a, an unsexy discussion. Like, yeah, he's, yeah, Jairel's the guy he's going to be playing. So 
Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you on thinking that's probably the case. I mean, he is – I think he's been so – he's waited a long time for that opportunity. You know, uh-huh. he, he's earned that at this point to kind of be the guy. Yeah, and I think they're – he'll probably be the primary ball carrier. I, I hope that by the time the spring – not the spring, the fall rolls around, the actual season rolls around – the thing that he needed to improve on, at least from my outsider's perspective, the most from the end of the season to the start of the next, the next season was looking to make a play. Cause what he would do is he would, you know, the minute he would do what I would do, which is what is the minimum thing that I do? The, the, the one thing that I need to accomplish here is I need to get four yards on this play. Well, if there's a chance to make four turn into 17, turn it into 17. And I wasn't athletic enough or good enough to do that at the college level. So I was really good at doing my one job, wherever that one job was. And that's the role that he filled because Brees was, you know, taking everything off, you know, whatever he would bust the 75 yard runs or whatever. And in the TCU game, we saw him gyro hit that big open play. And in the Clemson game, he was doing better at it and was much more looking down the field to be able to make the play, but it still didn't come supernatural to him where he was almost looking again, like what I would do, you break through where the linebackers are, you're expecting somebody to hit you. So I'm going to keep my shoulders down and I'm just going to, I'm going to take the contact. I'm going to get nine yards where if Brees Hall is in there, Brees is going to be looking to make that guy miss and take it for 40. So can gyro become a little bit more of a playmaker because now that's a role that he is of, of, uh, has been offered. Cause again, you, he shouldn't become a better version of me. He should become freaking Jairo Brock, who's, you know, a great running back. Cause I, the positions that I was in and the positions that he was in last year were don't screw it up positions. It's third and 13, you're pass blocking. Don't let your quarterback get hit. Okay. There you go. Or Brees just ripped off a 50 yard run. You know that you just need to keep, don't fumble, like keep his seat warm. He's going to come back on the field. Don't screw it up. You're not, your mindset isn't, I'm going to go make a play. It's I got to make sure that I keep this train on the tracks. Well, now he is the guy who is the Brees Hall stand on the sideline. He ripped off a 25 yard run. He's itching to get back on the field. So he is looking to potentially make a play. Now that doesn't mean completely abdicate your responsibility, but when you do get the chance to make a play, can he, and he's not just looking to get five or six when 16 is on the table. So I think that's a thing that I hope he has improved upon from before like from the end of the season to the start of this season is accepting the fact that he is able to take a couple gambles to try and make a play. And if it's second and 11, it's not ideal, but if every three times you try and make something happen, two of them end up in big plays and one of them ends up in a negative. Yeah, I can live with that math. You don't have to make it that I'm going to have three small positives when I could have two huge giant pluses and one negative. So that's, I think what I hope he has improved upon, which I think it's probably knowing that Brees was gone, knowing that he's going to be the guy. I think that switch has probably flipped. I just want to see what that looks like once that switch has flipped. Absolutely. All right. Good stuff, man. We'll, uh, we'll talk more about the defense on the next episode of football and random things. Thanks again to a plus lawn and landscape for being the presenting sponsor of cycle and fanatics spring football coverage. And we'll talk to you guys again soon. Peace.